Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 427, and today we'll be talking about again for the first time, from Bee and Puppy Cat. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So David, you, you have to tell me, what did I just watch? <laughs> okay, so I advocated deeply for us to start talking about Bee and Puppy Cat, and yeah, it is a show that will definitely get a strong reaction or a confused reaction from someone who has, you know, no background on what this thing is supposed to be. And I I love that. Yeah, I I knew there was a web show, and then I read on Wikipedia that they adapted the that into these uh, first few episodes. But I, I had no idea what to expect. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna just gonna watch some Bee and Puppy Cat today. Yes. So the original format of the shorts, and they really acted more like shorts. They were about 10 minutes in length, which is, you know, just a little shorter than what you expect on standard, like, Cartoon Network fare. But um, it it was, you know, slice of life or adventure monster of the week. And there was just only a hint of a sort of plot <laughs> going on. And it, it really happened in a different era of animation. I mean, it was only 10 years ago, but It was a Federator Studio project, right? And there was all this great experimental animation happening around being Puppy Cat. Like, uh, I I forget the name, but I remember watching other sort of pilots, like, I think it was called Bedford Manor, which now has finally turned into like a novel (laughs) uh, almost uh, a decade later. And of course, there was the uh, almost looks like Adventure Time spinoff, Bravest Warriors. With, you know, the famous cat bug. And so even, you know, cats were a very popular theme, even just in this, you know, little circle of animated shows. Now, our listeners cannot see it, but I am pointing at my cat bug Funko Pop. Yes, and I mean, obviously, cat bug uh, certainly got the virality, and not as much being puppy cat. But yeah, it's fascinating that this project, you know, made it. <laughs> it, it, it made it. You know, Bravest Warriors also kind of made it, but it didn't didn't really make it off of sort of the internet. Like, it was on VRV at some point for, like, its fourth season. But uh, it's interesting that Bee and Puppy Cat actually got picked up by Netflix and sort of turned into this new thing. But So that means that the first three episodes of this series that Netflix has is sort of an adaptation and retelling of the story that was contained in those first ten minisodes. And then the rest of the season is all new content. And uh, actually, a bunch of the show leaked in 2020. I, I managed to completely miss that. So I'm very happy that I was able to return to the show as if it was some like dream that I got to finish from a long time ago. Like I went back to sleep and just saw the conclusion to this very weird thing <laughs> that had been sitting in my subconscious. Now, I liked that you had mentioned Bravest Warriors because nothing about Bee and Puppy Cat was like I expected to be. Bee wasn't as saccharine sweet as I was expecting based off of her character design. And man, Puppy Cat was just nothing like what I was expecting. I was expecting like somebody like a more serious Impossibear from Bravest Warriors, you mentioned. But, you know, with that constant scowl, this is like, that's a backstory and a half we have. No wonder. <laughs> no wonder a puppy cat looks like that all the time. Yeah, that 
this is a very good duo. Uh, B, I've heard her described as a, a gremlin online. <laughs> In the original web series, she was even more of a gremlin. Here, she <laughs> has just this great balance between being uh, ridiculously adorable, but, you know, kind of a useless adult. <laughs> and, Punching the, the fire, yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she just, she punches out fires. She, uh, you know, steals to make means. <laughs> but, you know, she has all this weird stuff going around her. People call her old in this first episode, which was not something you heard at all in the, in the web series. I think she's old at heart. <laughs> she also, you know, tells Puppy Cat she doesn't really need to eat. So there's, you know, weird things going on. Ooh. There's also a lot more. So the original series had a much smaller cast of characters. But we're already introduced to sort of a lot of characters just in the first episode, which is exciting. So Deckard and his family and their family business of the Cat Cafe um, is going to be so much fun because we're going to develop that family a lot more. We only see his sister Cass and uh, one of his older brothers whose name escapes me for the moment, but I will (laughs) remember later who owns the Cat Cafe. And man, all of these personalities are so entertaining to watch, especially like the the conversation that Deckard has with Cass, like just talking through the day's events. Maybe Cass thinks that B actually died in the fire and she's like, that's a good thing (laughs) because now you can focus on cooking. Like their whole little (laughs) dynamic and how seriously they're taking each other or not seriously they're taking each other is so fluid. And what's a joke and what's serious is so blurred. And meanwhile, just the pace of, you know, conversations in this show is slow and deliberate. And, you know, we focus on lots of background elements or other things going on while conversations happen. It's all so beautiful and entertaining. And it takes me back to watching, again, like it is very of that sort of era where like Adventure Time was very experimental and Bravest Warriors was playing off of that. And, it, you know, it, it's just so awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to keep gushing about how it's so fun to have, like, truly experimental television. Uh, It reminds me of, you know, beats from Twin Peaks and, you know, yet, like, the art style of Miyazaki. And, like, did you enjoy, like, how did you visually enjoy this episode? Oh, visually, it was quite the treat. Now, trying to comprehend what was going on in front of me, I think this... uh, like that scene when they're in the rain and the just it's stopping forever. It kind of really sets a mood for you. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a poop, you know, swirl in the middle of the crosswalk. Yes, that they just keep lingering on. It's like Chekhov's gun that they stubbornly refuse to fire no matter how much <laughs> you beg them. Yeah, that never I, I loved rewatching that scene and knowing that like it comes to nothing. And, you know, meanwhile, there's just those chill lo-fi beats. I, I need to go figure out who actually did all the, the compositions. But, yeah, it creates this whole mood where you're just hanging out <laughs> with whatever weird scenario is going on. And B almost wishes she was a cat, but thinks better of it. And thank goodness she did. Yeah, I, she she. it's funny because there's only one other line that she says in this episode. But it, it does seem like she thinks that she summoned puppy cat into existence by wishing for a cat uh which is a wish she only has because in passing she you know sees some other cat and thinks about how 
awesomeness that cats can do whatever they want, which uh, <laughs> they demonstrate at the start of the episode because the, the cats of the cat cafe are the definition of cute assholes. <laughs> like that's their whole personality. Um, and they do what they want. Yeah. Do the, do the cats miss her? They say the cats, <laughs> like three people. They say they get attached. They, but... they keep say, referring to the idea that the cats get attached to them, but uh, they really seem to be involved. Only in themselves. So I think that's projection <laughs> that uh, okay. Deckard's family is putting on the cats. I can believe that. Now, I did like that you mentioned the conversation um, with Cass there. And like all, all I heard was like, oh, that voice is very familiar. Then I uh-huh. listen closer and it's like, oh, that is very Enid. Yes. Yes, I love. I mean, we both love uh, OKKO, and yeah, I love the small world of our voice actors. Well, and you know, I I don't know if she's getting a little typecast, but this character of Cass is has a little bit of a similar vibe to Enid, a sort of down to earth type person. But she's got punching Judy's gimmick, so they're mixing it up. Yes, well, yeah, the wrestling angle is uh, going to be excitingly developed. I don't know if you caught the just very brief moment where we see someone hiding behind <laughs> Cass's desk in the wall, but that will go somewhere. I was wondering about that. Okay, that does go somewhere. Good. <laughs> Everything goes somewhere. I, I, I was will say, wondering who that was supposed <laughs> to be, but I guess we'll find out, won't we? I truly, like, my journey into watching this series on Netflix was, I was, you know, very invested in being Puppy Cat when it was, you know, being released on YouTube, you know, so long ago. But then I really had only just followed the news online a little bit that the series was, you know, going to have uh, Lost in Space and maybe it was going to be released on VRV and then it was just delayed and eventually landed on Netflix. So I really, I had no, I had forgotten things and really like lost the narrative. So watching this first episode, I was honestly in the same place as you the first time where it's like, there's so many things happening, but they also happen kind of slowly, but there's all these weird references, and then Puppy Cat sings his song about being a space outlaw, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember <laughs> that. But I, I will say, upon rewatching, you're like, oh wow, this is actually very nicely crafted. Like <laughs> they're 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 doing their best to kind of set up everything again. And I I, I will say it it probably is a little jarring to see what feels like a you know pretty serious backstory randomly appear <laughs> yes you know and I, I do think that they developed that a little more naturally in the uh, original web series but they kind of just need to get it out of the way here because they uh, actually have a lot more that they're doing in this series when i when i first watched this episode i thought oh that's weird like why would they <laughs> do all this stuff immediately and you know at the end of the episode they even show a dream of puppy cat remembering taking care of B as a child and me and her father, which was not in the original web series. And I was like, are they, it feels like they're jumping the shark. They're getting ahead of a lot of story. Where could they possibly be going from here? And they have a lot of places to go, but the first three episodes are actually a lot faster paced. They cover a lot of story ground and then it simmers for a lot longer and kind of goes to a, you know, pace that we're more used to in a Steven universe or adventure time. Uh, So it's 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 quite the ride. <laughs> I, I like the cast being a wrestler is going to come up because I was very tickled pink when she she hears who might be an intruder and she reaches under the bed for a weapon and grabs out a folding chair. <laughs> that is such a wrestling move. I 
am excited for you to get your, you know, mandatory wrestling included in a cartoon homages. <laughs> it, it's, it'll be fun. Ah, that's going to be a good one. Uh, I will say as a, as a software developer, I also appreciate that Cass fulfills that role. And it, it's funny because when this show first released, seeing someone who was like a software developer as like their job and the way they casually work from home felt very novel. It was like, oh, cool. Look what they're doing with this character. And it, it feels, you know, completely regular and ordinary and probably no one notices it now. But it was quite the intentional character choice. You know, back in the day of 2014. <laughs> so, what, what was that site she was on? Code Chan? Yeah, some like messaging board, I think. Yeah, I was trying to okay. figure out what the cha part was. We might see it in another episode. Okay, we'll see. But yeah, so the, the premise is also a little mixed here. So, when you watch this first episode, you're like, what is this show exactly going to be about? Because you kind of have. B, who loses her job, and, you know, if you watch, like, the Netflix trailer... And you trailer, find out she's very good at losing jobs. Yeah, like, the Netflix trailer pitches the show as being about her temp jobs, and, you know, that now Puppy Cat appears and sort of helps her go on these whimsical adventures. But, uh, they... It's weird. They don't start with, like, the very first uh, temp job they take is not whimsical. It immediately turns into, you know, a violent encounter... Where Puppy Cat becomes like a weird laser gun, so they don't they don't really spend time setting up the the casual premise of the show. I like that B is the kind of girl who will try to punch a fire to put it out, and then when you put a dagger in her hands, she will bite someone's tongue until she cuts through it, rather than use the dagger she's holding. That that is hands down. I, I think my favorite joke of this episode is. Puppy cat telling V, use the sword, use the sword as a sword. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was like gonna be like Mimo from Adventure Time. She only would have made the lady look cooler. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so it it's definitely I get why it's confusing, because it's not quite about the temp job. Maybe it's more about like Puppy Cat's backstory, but there's it, it it's not. There's a lot more that the show is about. And I think it it'll it really gets its footing after you, you kind of get all this premise from the first three episodes, and it, it sets up a lot of things really quickly. And then it I think it it figures itself out better uh, in episode four. And you know I don't know if they should have made a different decision, but from what I was reading, it was originally made as episodes four through sixteen, and then they went and added episodes one through three later. Yeah, <laughs> they. It, you could believe that. Well, it well it makes sense because originally there was a web series, and then they were just going to continue yeah. from the web series with this lost in space adventure, right? So that's what episodes four through sixteen were. And then because it was coming to Netflix, they you know wanted to adapt the the original plot and also bring it up to up to date with the newer art style because the the web series actually had a different characters designs and kind of a different overall look this this one's particularly soft and beautiful and you know matches the music <laughs> so i i do i i like the art style change but that's probably a debate that's already four years old <laughs> or more <laughs> of the first time her design was revealed you and me both being from the steven universe fandom we can still remember there are still people to this day 
salty that Steven Universe changed its art style from the pilot style to what they ended up with. I, I think it's kind of like there's probably multiple universes where there's, you know, valid and cool versions of these shows in different art styles. But I'm, I'm very happy with how this show looks and it continues to or we're going to gush over so many choices they make <laughs> in the rest of this season. But um, yeah, I mean, it really like I just watched maybe Ponyo a couple months ago. And, you know, it's rare to get to spend time in, you know, worlds that look like this and where you just get time to relax and the show's, you know, camera stares at stuff for a while. It's it's really pleasant. So it's nice to watch, you know, the cats of the cafe do their little thing. And it, it's nice that the show just pauses and, and, and gives you time to stare at stuff. <laughs> now, I mean, I, I was supposed to be thinking of my neighbor Totoro, right? With the Japanese-ishness of the art style, the way she's out there with the umbrella. Yeah. I'm supposed to think of that, right? Yeah. No, it's definitely going for those, um, you know, it's that pastiche, right? Yeah, it's got the Studio Ghibli, like, look at this world. Yeah, and then they want to throw in, like, you know, be hitting Deckard in the crotch with the umbrella, right? And just have that whole scene play out. Like... They want it to be that juxtaposition. But, uh, you know, sometimes the show actually does just spend time living in that vibe before it tries to undercut it. But it's not always, the joke isn't always that it's like, you know, everything's just crude or whatever. Uh, it, it plays both sides. I, I like that she stole all that guy's turtles just, just because he wasn't in his office to defend <laughs> them. Yeah. <laughs> I love also that that scene doesn't go anywhere. Like, she shows up to the temp agency and the, you know, worker whose desk is not even, he just tells her that she's bad at jobs. Like, there isn't a conclusion to, like, I guess technically they just don't find her any jobs, but we don't hear him say that. The main point of the scene is for her to steal things. I thought it was really interesting how he said that, you know, I, I have no idea why anybody would hire you, but you've been hired and fired from every job here. So she can somehow get jobs despite having absolutely nothing on her resume that says you should give me a try that's got to be worth something right <laughs> b b might be pretty bad at ma- building resumes too unless i guess maybe the resume is supposed to be automatically tracked by this temp agency no because he he's even complaining about her font choice so this is something <laughs> she put together herself yeah i wasn't sure like would b make a weird squished together resume or is the text weird and squished because Someone's been trying to put all the jobs that she did in a single document. Hmm. I, I don't know. Oh, you know, that's a mistake. <laughs> Rookie error. I don't know. I, I think that that is an important part of B's character to, like, she's a serial temp at this point. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to spend the next two episodes, we're going to go on lots more adventures to really, you know, flesh out the, the temp idea. and. um Hopefully, I, I don't know. Were you endeared to Tempbot already, or do you? Still- I liked Tempbot. I was I was happy when Tempbot's video said that all Tempbots share the same memories. So I see several voice actors listed for Tempbot, but it's still going to be kind of like just hanging out with your old friend. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that they get paid in human monies, and her immediate thought is, "I'm going to go to the convenience store and pick up some old snacks." Oh yeah, no, it's so. It, it it's so true though you know like 
you know, you're scarce on money and you're going to make silly choices. Like, she's like, what's the first thing on my mind? Like, this is just B, right? This is her thing. <laughs> she doesn't, you know, have a plan. Uh, and, you know, she brings stuff to Deckard and Deckard's not really sure what to do either um, <laughs> with her, you know, half off, maybe expired hot dogs. She's got a she's got a pretty nice place for somebody who gets fired from every temp job she ever gets put into. Yeah, well, uh, well, maybe. I mean, I don't. It's not like very explicitly explained, but yeah, she. It's not a place she bought with her money or anything. Okay, okay. I thought that the description said something about her needing money to make rent. I guess that's another thing where they're kind of running away from the premise instead of running with it. Yeah, well, no, she is renting that house. There's a complex relationship between... I mean, we only saw... There was like a little boy that we saw walking around in this episode. And uh, it's not much of a spoiler, but he's the landlord. And we're going to learn all sorts of information about (laughs) Cardamon, the landlord, who she does have to pay money to, but... Also, there's uh, all, all sorts of interesting relationships and things surrounding B and, and Cardamon and the house. So we'll uh, watch that happen. Okay. And here I was afraid that uh, I was afraid that Puppy Cat was going to get sued by that kid <laughs> for hitting him. Oh, the relationship between Puppy Cat and Cardamon is also quite funny. <laughs> Um, so get ready. Yeah. See, isn't this a fun show though? Like, even though it's weird, it's so sticky. Like there's so many pieces of it that you want to think about or, you know, just notice. It makes me want more. I I already feel like just, just from watching the first episode and then from what you said, it feels like this is designed to, it may confuse first time viewers, but really reward second time viewers. It, It absolutely does. And that's where it reminds me. I think, I mean, you know, Twin Peaks is a a really excellently crafted piece of television. And I almost like, I don't want to like, just, it feels like truly comparing apples to oranges to say like, oh, here's this, you know, animated project, totally different goals. And then here's, uh, you know, David Lynch's (laughs) televised masterpiece. But like the way it, the way it um, does reward rewatching and the way, the, the order of which it presents ideas and the restraint it applies, like, it, you know, obviously it just shows like puppy cats, you know, very explicitly spells out for you that puppy cat is the space outlaw. He tells a story, you know, we multiple times like re- reference that fact. But there's going to be a lot of facts in this show that are incredibly subtle and do never have explicit, you know, things said about them. Okay. So that's fun. And so, you know, piecing it all back together again, like I'm still, I, I just was reading somebody's like realization on Reddit today about a specific aspect of the plot. And I was like, oh, duh, I'll probably catch this on rewatch now. But I, 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 you know, there's all these details I miss. So, you know, not every memory that someone has or, or dream that someone has is always straightforward, right? Like, you might think that you learned everything you needed to learn from, you know, Puppy Cat recalling that he once, you know, had a temp job dealing with B. But um, there's certainly a lot to unpack <laughs> in all these things. And I loved him just stealing that kid's ice cream cone to give it to B. Yeah, Ugh. it's a very puppy cat uh, choice for justice. Also, the, I love how he just, it's so funny to watch this little permanently angry being. You know, he's kind, but he's also, he looks like he's just kind of pissed off. So, you know, why, 
it's always mixed as to is he helping B because he finds her annoying and it's like just he has to take care of a baby or, you know, is there genuine, uh, you know, a genuine relationship happening there? So I, I do want to leave with one silly question before we conclude the podcast episode. Puppycat is not actually talking anything we're supposed to understand, right? No, yeah, it's not translatable, and okay. other characters in the show don't understand him. So it is like oh, B's B, the only B and Tempbot are the only ones. Yeah, B understands. He's speaking, the weird you know, ones. something robot space language something. But yeah, other characters don't know what what Puppy Cat is saying. Okay, well, go Lady Rainicorn and just say it's space Korean. Yeah, it's it's like that. And actually, I didn't notice this. My partner noticed this while watching uh, today. But B, actually, for a moment, she's, like, frustrated while she's, uh, you know, holding on to the tentacle of the crazy monster baby thing. And uh, she actually speaks in that same language. And I think that's the only Ooh. time that happens in this in this show. <laughs> I hadn't really noticed it. Now I need to be on the lookout. But she does, like, in a moment of frustration, speak the exact same way that Puppy Cat is speaking. So uh, right. that's interesting. But, um, yeah, his speech, I don't, we'll see how well develop the idea of it is uh hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler but like when puppy cat was the space pirate the space pirate does not speak in that language so it is like part of his curse as puppy cat but i yeah i don't know what else there is to it we'll 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 see i guess we'll find out together anyway guys that's it for us on again for the first time join us next week until then i'm gc13 and i'm david Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.